Hello, and welcome to Cubs PS Plus, a Northside Numbers game, a weekly podcast that dives headfirst into the analysis of hot topics driving Chicago Cubs baseball. I'm your host, Mike Waller, a lifelong Cub fan, full-time baseball stat nerd, and sometime youth baseball coach. Thanks for being here today. I know you have a lot of choices out there. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Cubs PS Plus, a spin on the baseball metric OPS Plus. If you can, please take 10 seconds and drop a rating or a review on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. If you've done that, I give you a huge thank you. Maybe you can share an episode with a friend. Just a few seconds on your end can help me get better and help other Cub fans find the show. I'd love to know what you want to know about Cubs baseball. Welcome into episode 24. I'm so jealous of all of you who were able to make it to the Cubs convention last week. It looked like a really good time, and I hope I can join you all next year. Today, I'm going to talk about a few of my convention takeaways, and then change it up a little bit and bring in Lance Raftel, a lifelong Braves fan and friend of mine, to talk about Dansby Swanson. If you enjoy my guest episodes, there will be several more in the coming weeks while we work through the rest of the offseason. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here. We. Go. I know the Cubs convention is all about putting the happy face on all things Cub, but I did like a lot of what I heard. If you weren't a regular listener of the compound, I've said it before, you should be. I love the way Ian Happ ran the live show, and maybe my favorite part was Tucker Barnhart talking about how much time he's spending already watching film for the guys he'll be catching. Just like when Dansby was introduced, it seems like this team is filled with a lot of professionals who take their approach very seriously and want to have fun in the clubhouse. If that can translate into a team of guys that enjoy playing together and are willing to do the little things, I'm in. And that could go far to improving this team. One other thing we saw last week, the Cubs aren't done. They agreed to terms with Trey Mancini during CubsCon. Mancini's a guy who was an emerging star before his cancer diagnosis a few years ago. He hasn't been quite the same since, but he does have good power and certainly attractive enough last year for the Astros to get him in a deadline deal. The Cubs are now actually looking legitimately deep across the diamond, even if we wish that there was more star power at the top. This team should be much more able to withstand injuries and mix and match lineups as needed to take advantage of good matchups. At least that's the hope anyway. So are the Cubs done? I don't think so. The Cubs claimed hard-throwing Julian Merriweather from the Blue Jays yesterday and designated Manny Rodriguez for assignment. The DFA for Manny was a surprise, but Merriweather throws harder and has significantly above-average movement on his curveball and his slider. He looks like he could be one of those pitch lab reconstruction projects for the Cubs. He averaged a little over 97 miles an hour with the heater last year and threw that pitch a little over 50% of the time with his 88-mile-an-hour hard slider being used 34% of the time. Merriweather hasn't thrown the curve a lot the past couple years, but he's getting almost a full 29% whiff rate on it, second only to his 34% whiff rate on the hard slider. When you look at Manny, he's younger, 26 to Merriweather's 31, but Manny doesn't throw quite as hard, and he doesn't have as much spin. Last year... Manny also threw roughly 50% heaters and 34% sliders, so the mix is similar. But Manny doesn't have a curveball. Manny's slider does have a little more vertical break than Merriweather's, but his fastball does not carry to nearly the same level that Merriweather's does. I'd love to see Manny sneak through waivers and go to Iowa, but at this point, the Cubs pitching infrastructure has shown me enough that I'll trust them on this move. So what else might the Cubs do? Tom Ricketts said the Cubs would be spending close to the CBT this year, and they're currently projected at $218 million of the $233 million CBT threshold. It seems likely that the Cubs would want to add to the bullpen, and to that point, the Andrew Chafin market is starting to heat up. I'd love to see the Cubs bring the Sheriff back. He's probably going to need a two-year, $18 to $20 million deal 
And that fits in with what the Cubs have to spend. I think they'll bring in at least one reliever, and, and I'm hoping Chafin's that guy. After that, watch for trades. The Red Sox have reportedly been interested in Nick Madrigal, and several teams have apparently inquired about Zach McKinstry. The Cubs currently have a surplus of vers- versatile bench infielders, and they do need to clear space on the 40-man roster to make room officially for Mancini, along with anybody else they want to pull in. So a trade would certainly not surprise me. What moves would you like to see? As the offseason comes to a close and pitchers and catchers report, I'll put together my breakdown of the offseason. It hasn't been perfect, but I think this team is a lot better on paper than where it started last year and also where it finished last year. Please enjoy the interview with Lance. He shares his thoughts as a Braves fan who has watched Dansby Swanson his whole career. We talk about fan thoughts on Swanson's game, the value of Dansby and his contract, and get into whatever it is that's in the water in Atlanta that gets all these guys to sign long-term contract extensions. Enjoy. Hey, today I'd like to welcome in Lance Raffel. He's a longtime friend of mine. We grew up together in Iowa. Um, he's an Atlanta Braves fan, so he's going to bring us the Braves perspective on Dansby Swanson. Welcome, Lance. How you doing? Glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. So you and I grew up pretty similarly in Iowa. We both found a lot of baseball and cable TV, but you opted for the Braves and I opted for the Cubs. I've kind of given my audience my backstory. <laughs> how, did, how was it that you came to be a Braves fan? Uh, it's a very similar story other than... Instead of Cubs on WGN, I gravitated towards the Braves on TBS, um, mainly facilitated by my dad being a growing up a Milwaukee Braves fan, living in Northern Iowa at the time and listening to them on the radio and stuff. So when they moved to Atlanta, then Ted Bottom and they were on TBS all those nights. That's that's how we spent a lot of summer evening. Definitely, is watching the Braves. That's great. Who's who are your dad's favorite players? Uh, my dad's favorite, but with, without a doubt, is Warren Spahn. Loves Warren Spahn, sure. Hank Aaron, Eddie Matthews. Um, those are the main ones, definitely. Right. I assume you were, uh, well, I don't assume, I know you You were a big Dale Murphy guy growing up. Huge Dale Murphy. Glenn Hubbard was my was my other guy. Little yeah, fire plug at second base. He was the dude with big beard, right? <laughs> That's right. Excellent. Um, you know, the Cubs and Braves, there are a lot of connections there, too, obviously. I grew up watching the Cubs with Harry Carey, and, and you got a lot of, well, pretty mm-hmm. much Skip's whole career, and then a lot of Chip Carey, after, both before mm-hmm. and after he left the Cubs. Yep. Yeah, the word. I'm. I'm glad Chip's back. I know he does get a little, a little uh, heat sometimes from fans and things like that. But I think he's fantastic. It, he does a, a great job, and they they do a good job pairing him with a variety of different uh, color people throughout the the season. So it's a good time. There's Jeff Rancourt has done a lot of games. Glavin does some games. Um, Paul Bird does some games. It's it's a great time. It's it's a good listen. That's great. Yeah, I always liked Chip. He was. Uh, it was. Weird times in 2004 when he and Steve Stone sort of got into a battle with Dusty Baker and the guys in the locker room and did not end well, but I, I definitely... That was a weird deal, yeah. It's just, mm-hmm. I mean, it, you just don't see that very often. I mean, guys get pissed off when the broadcasters no. say something, but usually it doesn't become a whole, like, team feud thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, nuts. So, you know... I'm hoping Dansby Swanson turns into the next Greg Maddox since you guys stole him from us, but I don't think I don't think that's on the table. But um, talk about Dansby Swanson a little bit. I know you've been watching him his whole career, and and he's a guy that you've enjoyed watching. So, what are Cubs fans gonna? I guess let's start with what are Cubs fans gonna like about his game? Uh, they're gonna love his effort, without a doubt. Uh, he's a he's an all out effort guy. You're gonna love his leadership, the way he carries himself on and off the field. Um, he's just such a likable guy. <laughs> Again, on and off the field. It's, it's, I know you're a numbers guy and there's a lot of numbers that are out, a lot of positives, but 
he's got so many intangibles um, with his game. Um, he's going to make your pitchers better. Um, he's going to give confidence to the outfield, to the whole staff. You know, many times, especially the last couple of years, when he really kind of stepped in. He's always been a great defender, but he's really kind of taken to the next step the last couple of years. You know, you're in a jam. You know, you got bases loaded, two outs. Dan Spiel, will call a meeting. Dan Spiel, will call a meeting. He'll go over there and tell the pitcher, get it to me. I'll get us out of this. <laughs> and Excellent. You know, this, just having that, that, yeah, just having that, uh, knowing that you've got somebody behind you with that confidence and, and that, that uh, drive to win and, and, and make the play, you know, that more often than not, the pitchers did exactly that. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> it's fun to watch. Yeah, I remember I was just watching him some of the playoffs the last few years. I mean, some of those plays he made. I remember one, I think it was against the Mets. He just went crazy far into left field and made almost like a Willie Mays style over the shoulder catch on a pop up. Mm-hmm. He's definitely. And that's not unusual. Out. He's he he he'll he'll do that several times a year for you. And I'm super excited to see him. You know, I think he and when I when I look at the numbers and I see you know he was basically the number one defensive value at shortstop, and kind of right there neck mm-hmm. and neck with him on all the numbers was Nico Horner. So now. The Cubs bring in Dansby, which allows them to put Nico Horner at second base, which was a pretty big hole last year. And now suddenly between Horner and mm-hmm. Swanson, and then you've got Gold Glover Happ and former Gold Glover Cody Bellinger in center field. Like those guys are going to cover some ground. Absolutely, yeah. You're you're going to be really strong up the middle, which is kind of where you want to start. So, um, the, I think the Cubs are going to be um, enjoying this season a little bit more. Yeah, let's. They kind of have to go up, but uh, now they got a very much a, <laughs> very much a pitch to contact rotation. That's really the whole staff. So, yeah, put those balls in play. You better mm-hmm. have guys there to field it, them. It pairs well. Yeah, it, so, yeah, that that kind of staff pairs well with what you got going right now. And he's uh, from the bits I've watched. He's a he's a good, intelligent, fast base runner too. Right? Cubs had a lot of problems with that last year too. He's got good speed. He'll steal some base. He won't hit 30, but he'll, he'll probably steal 10 to 20 a year. Very mm-hmm. smart base runner. Just, just huge, high baseball IQ. That's great. So I guess on the downside, I know um, when you look at the numbers, you see Dansby Swanson, you know, He really his power numbers really popped after 2019, or I think maybe starting in 2019. K rate went mm-hmm. up a little bit, as you might expect to go with that. But have you seen him continue? Obviously, this yeah. last year was his best year in his walk year, but... Have you seen that consistent development since 2019, mm-hmm. or was 2022 more of a kind of an outside the box of what you typically see from Dansby? It's it was I'd say it's he's been continuing to develop throughout his career with Atlanta. Um, this past year was a huge leap, obviously, um, and it wasn't a leap in what we saw; it was just a leap in consistency. Okay, because he's always had stretches where he's popping homers, he's, you know, hit, you know, hitting 400 over the course of a week, two weeks, a month. Um, but he's always been streaky. So he'll do that for a while and then he'll go through a slump for, you know, a couple of weeks or a month, you know, again. So it's been a little bit up and down throughout his whole career, but it's always been there. This past year was the first year he put it together pretty much for a full season, which okay. definitely fun to watch. Yeah, and he's, he's still not 30 yet, so there's still definitely room for him to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when when we look at the, I guess so. Take, taking the other approach, um, we talked about the strengths. So, we, as a Braves fan and somebody who follows the Braves community, we're like where over the past few years would the Braves fans get frustrated with with uh, Dansby? 
mostly a streakiness. Like they could see what was there, but it wasn't always there. And I think that was frustrating. Um, the inconsistency, especially early in his career, he'd have those, he'd have short bursts of production followed by average or below average for long stretches. And I think that up and down streakiness really kind of started to frustrate fans. Um, probably, I don't know if it led to the front office not ex- extending him earlier, um, but I know a lot of fans up until this past year were saying, okay, let him go, go get another shortstop. So, <laughs> yeah, again, that's... <laughs> that's how fans are. It's fan talk. Um, but, yeah, exactly. But there was definitely a lot of frustration with the streakiness and up and down nature of his bat. The, the defense is always there. That's never going to, as far as I can see, never going to change. So let's table the contract talk. I know some frustration with. Okay. Go ahead. Um, yeah, let's table the contract talk for a couple minutes. But although I do want to get there, um, what mm-hmm. um, you know, as we headed into this free agent, this free agent season, there were there were four clear top shortstops, and that's where, when you look mm-hmm. around at Definitely. all the, all the players available, like the highest concentration of bats was a shortstop. So. I know mm-hmm. there were some Cub fans thinking, well, we got Nico. Why do we even need a shortstop? It's not the, it's not so mm-hmm. much that they have to replace Nico. It's that they need to upgrade the offense, and that's the best place to do it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think also people largely saw Dansby as the clear number four out of that group, really probably largely looking at those offensive numbers and the consistency over time. Um, it does seem like the Cubs had Dansby targeted. Now, whether that's because of cost or whether they – whether you know it's the glove that they sought, and I think that might be the case with with the defensive improvements they've made. Um, but when you look at it from the Braves' perspective, we'll talk in a few minutes about the contract extensions all their guys get. But you had already hit on that mm-hmm. um, that sense that well, let's let Dansby go. We'll find another shortstop. How's how's the reaction been since he signed with the Cubs? Uh, I think some fans. Of course, probably the same ones that were complaining about him for the past three years. Some fans are upset. Why can we? So why do we let another one go? That kind of thing. Um, but I think overall, the general feeling is it stinks. We would love to have him, but he definitely got himself a great deal. And I think there's some relief that the Braves didn't pay him 177 million. Is that right? Yeah, it was seven years, hundred and seventy-seven. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of a, it's, yeah, it's kind of one of those where, wish we could have kept him, but numbers doesn't didn't really bear out to benefit the Braves in that situation. If that makes sense. Kind of a, does, a kind of a good good thing for both good thing for both sides is what I guess I'm trying to say. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I know the Cubs, the Cubs needed, I, I think, especially trading away. Rizzo and Bryant and Baez and letting Schwarber walk and all those things. I think it was time for the Cubs. I think the Cubs had to go make a move. They had to go show that we are going to spend something north of six years. We are going to spend, you know, was it nine <laughs> digits on a contract here? Yep. So maybe in that sense, maybe it does mean that Dansby had a little bit more additive value to the Cubs than he did as a kind of a consistent value to the Braves at this point. I, I definitely think that's, that's correct. He, I think, honestly, he's worth more to the Cubs than he would have been worth to, than he was worth to the Braves. Um, and why do you say that? I think the Braves offer. Well, I th- he because of the Braves roster as it sits now. There's a lot of leadership. There's a lot of veteran players there. Um, it's kind of set in stone. There's some young pieces too, of course, but there's a there's a, a system in place, you might say, 
Um, it, they're solid pretty much everywhere. Question marks being now shortstop in left field. Um, sure. But, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where that dollar figure didn't really seem to make sense for the Braves because they've got other contracts, they've got other things going. Yeah, they still got some other, you know, are they going to sign Max Free? There's some other question marks out there. Um, with the Cubs, obviously, still kind of developing your team, still kind of trying to get back on the winning side of things and starting to make a push towards maybe making a playoff spot, wild card, whatever the case may be. Dansby is the perfect player for that. His leadership, his intangibles, his clubhouse leadership, you know, defense, just in, you know, increasing the confidence of everyone around him. I think that alone probably makes him worth more to the Cubs than the Braves because the Braves can get that other. They've got other players that can do that as well, kind of already signed and, and good to go. That, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah, it does. So now let's talk a little bit about Braves extension. They've kind of been the model in baseball the last few years on bringing up young guys, picking out which guys they want to keep, and, and getting those guys extended, in some cases well through, mm-hmm. well past their arbitration years, or at least certainly through mm-hmm. arb years plus you know two. Um, mm-hmm. It's something the Cubs have done a little bit. They, they did it back in the day with Anthony Rizzo and Starlin Castro. And in Castro's deal, like he wound up not being a part of that 2016 team because they wanted to move on to Ben Zobrist. Mm-hmm. But that contract was still so manageable that it was an he was an easy contract piece to move. Um, yep. When you look at the Braves, and the Braves have done that in some cases, I could make make the case that, especially in the case of Ozzy Albies, he's probably almost severely underpaid. I know the the union stepped in a little bit on that one, but wound up holding the deal. <laughs> they did. They they weren't happy with it. And I get it. Which, I mean, it, I can't say I blame them. I, I would I would call him underpaid. Yeah. And I think with these deals, there's a there's an obvious trade-off. I mean, you've got the the player is young, up and coming. Maybe they've had a good season or two, but not necessarily fully established as mm-hmm. a star or a big player. From the team perspective, they're looking at this young player, and assuming you're, if you're going to sign him to a long-term deal, you expect that player to, to continue to develop. And I know with the Cubs, with I'll use Chris Bryant as an example. He came in, obviously started at the low end of the salary scale, but once he hit his arbitration years, I mean, his numbers blew up fast for obvious reasons. So if you mm-hmm. get that deal locked yeah. up early, the team can take a little bit off their potential, you know, downside of that contract. Player maybe gives up a little bit in raw value, but they also avoid the idea that they might be Kyle Schwarber and get to year, you know, their last year of ARB, and the team decides, mm-hmm. you know what, we're just we're just going to let you go. So what is it, do you think, with the Braves that has really created this environment, I guess, where the the players all want to come in and stay? I mean, some of them have gotten paid some serious money, so it's not all bargain basement contracts. But, like, even Sean Mm -hmm. Murphy, the the Braves trade for him. Five minutes later, he's locked up for, what, eight years? Mm -hmm. What do you think it is about that team? Matt Olson did the exact same thing. Sorry, what was that? Oh, Matt Olson did the exact same thing. He got traded and within 24 hours, I think, had an eight-year contract. So, yeah. What is it? Is it something that the players want to buy into? Like, what, what do you think is driving that? That's that's my sense, and it's kind of what I've read. Um, I actually just read an article. It was an inter- excerpt from an interview with Matt Olson. Actually, he kind of talked about that about how. Um, now, granted, him and Murphy's perspective may. 
be a little different from another player coming from Oakland. <laughs> but you know, he said it's yes. you know it's a it's a great place. To, and again, Olson Olson's also from the area, so there's you know he's got the hometown side of things too. But you know he talks about you know it's the clubhouse, the guys, the team, the 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 culture that they built in that clubhouse with Snit and the front office. Um, it's just a great place. You want to be there. Um, you want to play. You're playing in front of thirty thousand or more every night. You know, what a random Tuesday against the Marlins. They'll still have thirty thousand people in the stands. You know, it's not something that every place has. And again, coming from Oakland, where they're playing in front of three thousand. <laughs> yes, on the best night. That's gonna that's gonna change your perspective a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So there's that. Um, it's just a lot of culture. And I think, especially when you you know you look at uh, Murphy, he comes in. He hasn't hasn't played in there other than maybe I think it, I think Oakland played out there for a two game set this past season. But he comes in, you know, gets traded. Like I said, hours later he's got a contract. He's signing it. It's eight years. He's locked up. Um, so he's coming from Oakland. There's that aspect to it. But um, he's got Olsen there. But he sees what they've done and how they built this team and how there's a strong core. Like for the next five years, I can tell you who's going to play center field, right field, third base, second base, first base, catch. I can probably name you three of the five starters over the next <laughs> five years. You know, So that, that's got to be an attractive thing for a player to know that I'm going to walk in spring training and I'm going to see 10 familiar faces probably every year for the next yeah. five years. Well, it's interesting too because on the one hand, the Cubs had that. And we're going to be competing. From... Yeah, you're going to be competing. Um, the Cubs had that for a while with the the previous core, you know, Javi and Rizzo and um, mm-hmm. KB and, and those guys. And the Cubs, I guess the downside to locking all those players in is what the Cubs eventually saw. The Cubs had a kind of the worst of both combinations. They had some guys that didn't pan out. You know, Addison Russell didn't really develop as a hitter and then also mm-hmm. had his domestic violence situation. Albert Almora never really progressed as a player. The Cubs decided to let Schwarber walk. Chris Bryant mm-hmm. started. Chris Bryant was always good when he played, but he started racking up the injuries. Um, so you can hit that point where if you've got all mm-hmm. this talent locked in, if a couple of the guys, you know, Michael Harris the second looks amazing. He if he starts slowing down in his mm-hmm. development though, or, or regresses a little bit, I, I guess there could be a point where Atlanta maybe regrets going that distance on so many guys, although the contracts are still pretty manageable. There, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's always a risk. And again, I read the interview from Alex Anthopoulos, basically, then yes, there's a risk in this. Um, but they trust their scouting and their, their coaching staff and the development team. And he works with them very closely and kind of gets their feel on things. Are they going to keep doing what they're doing? Are they going to keep progressing? Are they going to keep getting better? Um, so I think there, there's a lot of trust there, first of all. Um, and second of all, there's a, yeah, like I said, it, there's always a risk. Maybe somebody gets hurt. Somebody doesn't keep progressing. Somebody regresses to you know, whatever the case may be. I, it's hard to believe that a significant portion of these of this group, of this core group, is going to have that happen. You know, obviously one or two may. You never know what's going to happen, especially injury-wise. Um that's part of the reason they don't tend to sign pitchers long-term because injury risk is so much higher. Um, At least from what I've read and what I've seen, they, they they rarely do. Um, But yeah, even if somebody doesn't, even plateaus, you know, 
you know, you know, and something happens, you got another up and comer coming through the system, you need to trade for a closer or a start, whatever the case may be. The contract is still manageable enough to where it's not scary for, you know, it's not a $300 million Carlos Correa True. offer that some team has to try and eat. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's a manageable thing. And most likely they're still going to get value out of the player, even if, you know, even if he even if he plateaus or regresses a little bit, he's still you know, cause like you mentioned Michael Harris. Defensively, defense is it's rare for defense to fall off the table. Maybe his bat doesn't develop, but they're still going to get something out of his defense. Yeah, that that's true. Yeah, um, and one of the things I was thinking about too is um, you look at those big contracts out there, and obviously the I mean the the Correa deal was just a mess. I mean, so when I think going into the off season, there were <laughs> that wasn't that oh. wasn't the same situation. I can't. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was saying that whole Korea thing. Like we could do a whole show on the Korea situation. If... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's nuts. That was the most, I was just every every day I was waiting for an update. I'm like, oh, who's he? Who's he? Who's he coming to terms with today? Oh, waiting on another physical. Of course, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's funny because going into the off season, a lot of the Cubs fans were over the last couple of years with all the selling off had gotten a little bit cynical about the Cubs spending money, and I think. Hopefully Tom Ricketts has put that to bed now. They're we still going to make a couple bullpen additions before the season starts, mm-hmm. so they're they should be right around the CBT. And at this point, I don't know honestly that I would go over the CBT this year unless you were really. I mean, if the Cubs were going to go trade for Shohei Otani, absolutely hell yes, go over the CBT. Um, but give yourself some room and some runway. Uh, give yourself some room and some runway mm-hmm. so that. If you are in contention at the deadline, you can go add a starter, you can go pick up another bat, whatever, whatever it is that you seem right. to be missing. Sure, absolutely. Lost my train of thought. I will edit this out later. Um, okay. Oh, but with those big contracts, so a lot of people were cynical about whether the Cubs would actually spend and, and spend big on a player, and there were people that said, "Oh, well, they'll they'll at least get Dansby because he's the cheap one." But at this point now, I mean, Dansby is. Probably not as good as Trey Turner, period, end of story. I mean, Trey's not as good defensively as, as mm-hmm. uh, Dansby yeah. is, but he's but he's better than probably than Correa and Bogarts are. Bogarts is probably the least probably mm-hmm. the least solid defensively, but he might have the best best and most consistent bat. Mm-hmm. You know, Correa's got the star power, but mm-hmm. he's been racking up the back injuries, and now he's now he's got the leg thing. So, I think Cubs fans now are, are feeling pretty mm-hmm. good about where mm-hmm. we're sitting with Dansby. Oh yeah, I think it definitely good. I and again, I'm I'm biased being, a, you know, that I've watched him for the last five years or six years. Um, and you're right; it's probably a fair assessment of all of those. You know, Turner. I mean, he's he's a superstar. I mean, and, and I'm ha- not happy that he's back in the East because he's been a British killer his whole career. <laughs> yes. But speed, he's got he's got some pop. I was gonna hit, I was gonna hit for average. He's a fantastic ball player. Um, and again, Bogart's probably has the most consistent. At, you know, Korea's Korea, the whole thing. But honestly, value-wise, looking at those other three contracts, value-wise, I think you guys got the best deal. Dancy's probably yeah. not the best if you out of anything. Maybe maybe glove. He may have the best glove. I mean, that's probably debatable to some degree. But uh, you know, go you know, on the gold glove last year, and I don't see any reason he won't be in the top two or three in contention for a gold glove this coming year and in, in, in future years. Um, but top to bottom, you look at all of the skill sets, even them out. Then you look at the money paid. I think that deal that you guys made with him over any of the other ones, personally. Yeah, 
I, I think I kind of agree with that. Um, on his defense for a second, um, one of the things that the metrics lay out is obviously his range is fantastic. He's got great hands. He doesn't make a lot of errors. The one area where he doesn't typically rate highly is his throwing arm. And when I've watched him play, I've not noticed that. I, I get the metrics, and I, depending on what they're measuring and how they're measuring, like, do you see do you see it as a deficiency when you've watched him play over the last few years? Not even a little bit. I was actually surprised to hear that. <laughs> um, it, may, and he may not have the strongest arm, but he's always in position. Um, he's got a crazy quick release. So he can make any throw from anywhere on the field. Uh, even going deep in the well, he'll he'll come up firing. And depending on, obviously, there's, if Trey Turner's running, he won't get him. But <laughs> most players, you know, he'll be able to get him um, going, you know, from anywhere. I've seen him throw from his knees you know, deep in the hole. I mean, just there's no – I would have no worries about that at all, definitely. Cool. Yeah, I think at this point, especially maybe, with the Maybe he's not the strongest time, but he makes up for it with everything else. Yeah, that makes sense. And with the bigger bases, I think obviously you you want the strongest arm possible, but I think that quick release is also going to be essential. Just you know, I think every hitter mm-hmm. is basically getting, essentially, they're getting a half step out of the box basically by the base being bigger. I think. Yeah. He's got a great internal what? clock too. Yeah, but he just seems to have the overall the the great baseball IQ. Like he just he knows where to be, he knows what's needed. Yeah. I think his when mm-hmm. I look at his numbers, his his Absolutely. leverage numbers actually play up with him as a clutch player, which often fans will mm-hmm. say a guy is super clutch or not clutch, and you go to the numbers, and mm-hmm. yeah, the guy just kind of does what he does. If he's a good hitter, he's good in clutch situations. If he's not mm-hmm. a good hitter, he's not clutch. Right. In this game, and again, this is not based on numbers, but it definitely feels like he's a clutch hitter. <laughs> he's going to get a strikeout, especially early in the game, you know, but coming up big, you know, late in game, you know, late in situations, he's more often than not, it feels to me, going to come up with a, with a big hit when you need it. So, And I like his spray charts, too. When you, when you look at his hit charts, I mean, he's, he's got the power. He's probably mm-hmm. a little bit pull middle of the field mm-hmm. heavy, but, but he'll get the ball gap to gap. So I think he's got gap doubles in in both directions. When, oh yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. When and actually, when he's at his best, he's he's going, he's going right center. It's good to hear. I like that. Like when he, when he's at his best, he's hitting hitting gap doubles, gap doubles to right center, and he and he'll put it over opposite field, no problem. His the opposite field power, especially there in Wrigley, he'll be he'll be fine. Great. Anything else you want to bring into that? I don't think so. I think we covered everything we had. And, discussed before and <laughs> been a lot of fun. Um, do you want to uh, let the listeners know where they can find you out on social media if you want to engage? Oh, sure, yeah. Um, you know, Facebook, Lance Raftall. Um, I guess I am on Twitter, but I don't check it very often. Uh, I'm not even sure what my handle is. L Raftall, probably. Um, Instagram, gosh, I'm, not, I'm all over. Just, yeah, yeah, there are many Lance Raftalls out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, great, no, thanks for I joining us there's, today. There's a few Raftalls. I think I'm the only Lance. Oh, my pleasure. Happy to do it. Let's do it again. Awesome. Sounds great. Thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate you listening. If you liked what you heard, or maybe especially if you didn't, please drop a rating or review wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It only takes a few seconds for you, but it's great feedback to help me improve and it helps other Cub fans find the show. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all at Cubs PS Plus. This is Mike Waller, host of the Cubs PS Plus podcast. Every day with Cubs baseball or talking about Cubs baseball is a great day.
Go Cubs!